Chapter 18, Part 4 of A Short Account of the History of Mathematics by W. W. Rouse Ball. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This is a reading by Paul King, pjk.scripts at mit.edu forward slash pjk. A short account of the history of mathematics by W. W. Rouse Ball. Chapter 18. Leibniz and the Mathematicians of the First Half of the Eighteenth Century. Part 4. Cavendish. The Honorable Henry Cavendish was born at Nice on October 10, 1731, and died in London on February 24, 1810. His tastes for scientific research and mathematics were formed at Cambridge, where he resided from 1749 to 1753. He created experimental electricity and was one of the earliest writers to treat chemistry as an exact science. I mention him here on account of his experiment in 1798 to determine the density of the earth by estimating its attraction as compared with that of two given lead balls. The result is that the mean density of the earth is about five and a half times that of water. This experiment was carried out in accordance with a suggestion which had been first made by John Mitchell, a fellow of Queen's College, Cambridge, who had died before he was able to carry it into effect. Rumford Sir Benjamin Thompson Count Rumford Born at Concord on March 26, 1753, and died at Otey on August 21, 1815, was of English descent and fought on the side of the Loyalists in the American War of Secession. On the conclusion of peace, he settled in England, but subsequently entered the service of Bavaria, where his military and civil powers of organization proved of great value. At a later period he again resided in England, and when there he founded the Royal Institution. The majority of his papers were communicated to the Royal Society of London. Of these the most important is his memoir in which he shewed that heat and work are mutually convertible. Young Among the most eminent physicists of his time was Thomas Young, who was born in Milverton on June 13, 1773, and died in London on May 10, 1829. He seems, as a boy, to have been somewhat of a prodigy, being well read in modern languages and literature, as well as in science. He always kept up his literary tastes, and it was he who first furnished the key to decipher the Egyptian hieroglyphics. He was destined to be a doctor, and after attending lectures at Edinburgh and Göttingen, entered Emmanuel College, Cambridge, from which he took his degree in 1799 and to his stay at the university he attributed much of his future distinction. His medical career was not particularly successful, and his favorable maxim that a medical diagnosis is only a balance of probabilities was not appreciated by his patients who looked for certainty in return for their fee. Fortunately, his private means were ample, Several papers contributed to various learned societies from 1798 onwards prove him to have been a mathematician of considerable power, 
but the researches which have immortalized his name are those by which he laid down the laws of interference of waves and light and was thus able to suggest the means by which the chief difficulties in the way of acceptance of the undulatory theory of light could be overcome wollaston another experimental physicist of the same time and school was william hyde wollaston who was born at Dereham on august sixth seventeen sixty six and died in london on december twenty second eighteen twenty eight he was educated at caius college cambridge of which society he was a fellow besides his well-known chemical experiments he is celebrated for his researches on experimental optics and for the improvements which he effected in astronomical instruments dalton another distinguished writer of the same period was john dalton who was born in cumberland on september fifth seventeen sixty six and died at manchester on july twenty seventh eighteen forty four Dalton investigated the tension of vapors and the law of the expansion of a gas under changes of temperature. He also found the atomic theory in chemistry. It will be gathered from these notes that the English school of physicists at the beginning of this century were mostly concerned with the experimental side of the subject, but in fact no satisfactory theory could be formed without some similar careful determination of the facts. The most eminent French physicists of the same time were Fourier, Poisson, Ampère, and Fresnel. Their method of treating the subject is more mathematical than that of their English contemporaries, and the two first named were distinguished for general mathematical ability. Fourier The first of these French physicists was Jean-Baptiste Joseph Fourier who was born at Auteuil on March 21, 1768, and died at Paris on May 16, 1830. He was the son of a tailor and was educated by the Benedictines. The commissions in the scientific corps of the army was, as still the case in Russia, reserved for those of good birth, and being thus ineligible, he accepted a military lectureship on mathematics. He took a prominent part in his own district in promoting the revolution, and was rewarded by an appointment in 1795 in the Normal School, and subsequently by a chair at the Polytechnic School. He went with Napoleon on his eastern expedition in 1798, and was made governor of Lower Egypt. Cut off from France by the English fleet, he organized the workshops on which the French army had to rely for their munitions of war. He also contributed several mathematical papers to the Egyptian Institute, which Napoleon founded at Cairo, with a view of weakening English influence in the East. After the British victories and the capitulation of the French under General Menon in 1801, he returned to France and was made prefect of Grenoble, and it was while there that he made his experiments on the propagation of heat. He moved to Paris in 1816. In 1822, he published his Théorie analytique de la chaleur, in which he bases his reasoning on Newton's law of cooling, namely, that the flow of heat between two adjacent molecules is proportional to the infinitely small difference of their temperatures. 
he states that the theory demands that the temperatures of stellar space should be between minus 50 degrees Celsius and minus 60 degrees Celsius, a conclusion which it has been as yet impossible to prove or disprove. In this work he shews that any function of a variable, whether continuous or discontinuous, can be expanded in a series of signs of multiples of the variable, a result which is constantly used in modern analysis. Lagrange had given particular cases of the theorem and had implied that the method was general, but he had not pursued the subject. Fourier left an unfinished work on determinate equations, which was edited by Navier and published in 1831. This contains much original matter. In particular, there is a demonstration of Fourier's theorem on the position of the roots of an algebraic equation. Lagrange had shown how the roots of an algebraical equation might be separated by means of another equation whose roots were the squares of the differences of the roots of the original equation. Boudin in 1807 and 1811 had enunciated the theorem generally known by the name of Fourier, but the demonstration was clumsy and not altogether satisfactory. Fourier's proof is the same as that usually given in textbooks on the theory of equations. The final solution of the problem was given in 1829 by Jacques-Charles-François Sturm. Saudi Carnot. Among Fourier's contemporaries who were interested in the theory of heat, the most eminent was Saudi Carnot, son of the eminent geometrician mentioned previously. Saudi Carnot was born at Paris in 1796 and died there of cholera in August 1832. He was an officer in the French army. In 1824, he issued a short work entitled Réflexion sur la puissance motrice du feu, in which he attempted to determine in what way heat produced its mechanical effect. He made the mistake of assuming that heat was material but his essay was the commencement of the modern theory of thermodynamics. Poisson Séméon Denis Poisson, born at Pithiviers on June 21, 1781, and died at Paris on April 25, 1840, is almost equally distinguished for his application of mathematics to mechanics and to physics. His father had been a common soldier, and on his retirement, was given some small administrative post in his native village. When the revolution broke out, he appears to have assumed the government of the place and, being left undisturbed, became a person of some local importance. The boy was put out to nurse, and he used to tell how one day his father, coming to see him, found that the nurse had gone out on pleasure bent, while she had left him suspended by a small cord to a nail fixed in the wall. This, she explained, was a necessary precaution to prevent him from perishing under the teeth of the various animals and animicula that roamed on the floor. Poisson used to add that his gymnastic efforts carried him incessantly from one side to the other, and it was thus in his tenderest infancy that he commenced those studies on the pendulum that were there to occupy so large a part of his mature age. He was educated by his father, and destined much against his will to be a doctor. 
His uncle offered to teach him the art, and began by making him prick the veins of cabbage leaves with a lancet. When perfect in this, he was allowed to put on blisters, but in almost the first case he did this by himself. The patient died in a few hours, and though all the medical practitioners of the place assured him that the event was a very common one, he vowed he would have nothing more to do with the profession. Returning home, he found amongst the official papers sent to his father a copy of the questions set at the Polytechnic School, and at once found his career. At the age of seventeen, he entered the Polytechnic, and his abilities excited the interests of Lagrange and Laplace, whose friendship he retained to the end of their lives. A memoir on finite differences, which he wrote when only eighteen, was reported on so favorably by Legendre that it was ordered to be published in the Recueil des Savants étrangers. Directly he had finished the course, he was made a lecturer at the school, and he continued through his life to hold various government scientific posts and professorships. He was somewhat of a socialist, and remained a rigid republican till 1815, with a view to making another empire impossible, he joined the legitimists. He took, however, no active part in politics, and made the study of mathematics his amusement as well as his business. His works and memoirs are between three and four hundred in number. The chief treatises which he wrote were his Traité de Mécanique, two volumes, 1811 and 1833, which was long a standard work. His Théorie Nouvelle de l'Action Capillarie, in 1831, his Théorie Mathématique de la Chaleur, in 1835, to which a supplement was added in 1837, and his Recherches sur la Probabilité de Jugement, in 1837. He had intended, if he had lived, to write a work which should cover all mathematical physics and in which these would have been incorporated. Of his memoirs on the subject of pure mathematics, the most important are those on definite integrals and, and the Fourier's series. These are to be found on the Journal Polytechnique from 1813 to 1823 and in the Memoirs de l'Académie for 1823. Their application to physical problems constituting one of his chief claims to distinction, his essay on the calculus of variations, Memoirs de l'Académie, 1833, and his papers on the probability of the mean results of observations, Connaissance des Temps, 1827, and following years. Most of his memoirs were published in the three periodicals here mentioned. Perhaps the most remarkable of his memoirs in applied mathematics are those on the theory of electrostatics and magnetism, which originated a new branch of mathematical physics. He supposed that the results were due to the attractions and repulsions of imponderable particles. The most important of those on physical astronomy are the two re-read in 1806, printed in 1809, on the secular inequalities of the mean motions of the planets, and on the variations of arbitrary constants introduced into the solutions of questions on mechanics. In those, Poisson discusses the question of the stability of the planetary orbits, which Legendre had already proved to the first degree of approximation for the distributing forces, and shews that the result can be extended to the third order of small quantities. These were the memoirs which led to Lagrange's famous memoir of 1808. 
Poisson also published a paper in 1821 on the libration of the moon, and another in 1827 on the motion of the earth about its center of gravity. His most important memoirs on the theory of attraction are one in 1829 on the attraction of spheroids, and another in 1835 on the attraction of a homogeneous ellipsoid. The substitution of the correct equation involving the potential, namely grad squared v equals negative 4 pi rho, for Laplace's form of it, pi squared v equals 0, was first published in 1813 in the Bulletin des Sciences of the Société Philomatique. Lastly, I may mention his memoir in 1825 on the theory of waves. Ampère André-Marie Ampère was born at Lyon in January 22, 1775, and died at Marseille on June 10, 1836. He was widely read in all branches of learning and lectured and wrote on many of them, but after the year 1809, when he was made professor of analysis at the Polytechnic School in Paris, he confined himself almost entirely to mathematics and science. His papers on the connection between electricity and magnetism were written in 1820. According to his theory, propounded in 1826, a molecule of matter which can be magnetized is traversed by a cloud of electric current, and a magnetization is produced by any cause which makes the direction of these currents in the different molecules of the body approach parallelism. Fresnel Augustin Jean Fresnel, born at Broglie on May 10, 1788, and died at Ville d'Avray on July 14, 1827, was a civil engineer by profession, but he devoted his leisure to the study of physical optics. The undulatory theory of light, which Hooke, Huygens, and Euler had supported on a priori grounds, had been based on experiment by the researches of Young. Fresnel deduced the mathematical consequences of these experiments and explained the phenomenon of the interference of both ordinary and polarized light. Biot. Fresnel's friend and contemporary, Jean-Baptiste Biot, who was born at Paris on April 24, 1774, and died there in 1862, requires a word or two in passing. Most of his mathematical work was in connection with the subject of optics and especially with the polarization of light. His systematic works were produced within the years 1805 and 1817. A selection of his more valuable memoirs was published in Paris in 1858. Arago François-Jean-Dominique Arago was born at Estangel in the Pyrenees, on February 26, 1786, and died in Paris on October 2, 1853. He was educated at the Polytechnic School, Paris, and we gather from his autobiography that however distinguished were the professors of that institution, they were remarkably incapable of imparting their knowledge or maintaining discipline. In 1804 he was made secretary to the observatory and then from 1806 to 1809 he was engaged in measuring a meridian arc in order to determine the exact length of a meter. He was then made one of the astronomers at Paris, given a residence there, and made a professor at the Polytechnic School, where he enjoyed a marked success as a lecturer. 
he subsequently gave popular lectures on astronomy which were both lucid and accurate a combination of qualities which was rarer then than now he reorganized the national observatory the management of which had long been inefficient but in doing this he shewed himself dictatorial and passionate and the same defects of character revealed themselves in many of the events of his life he remained to the end a consistent republican and after the coup d'etat of eighteen fifty two though half blind and dying he resigned his post as an astronomer rather than take the oath of allegiance it is to the credit of napoleon the third that he gave directions that the old man should be in no way disturbed and that he should be left free to say and do what he liked his earliest physical researches were on the pressure of steam at different temperatures and the velocity of sound eighteen eighteen to eighteen twenty two his magnetic observations mostly took place from eighteen twenty three to eighteen twenty six he discovered what had been called rotary magnetism and the fact that most bodies could be magnetized these discoveries were completed and explained by faraday he warmly supported fresnel's optical theories and the two philosophers conducted together those experiments on the polarization of light which led to the interference that the vibrations of the luminiferous ether were transverse to the direction of motion and that the polarization consisted in a resolution of rectilinear motion into components at right angles to each other the subsequent invention of the polariscope and the discovery of rotatory polarization are due to arago the general idea of the experimental determination of the velocity of light in the manner subsequently affected by Fizeau and foucault was suggested by him in eighteen thirty eight but his failing eyesight prevented his arranging the details or making the experiments it will be noticed that some of the last members of the french school were alive at a comparatively recent date but nearly all mathematical work was done before the year eighteen thirty they are the direct successors of the french writers who flourished at the commencement of this century and seem to have been out of touch with the great german mathematicians of the early part of it on whose researches much of the best work of this century is based they are thus placed here though their writings are in some cases of a later date than those of gauss abel jacobi and other mathematicians of recent times the introduction of analysis into england the complete isolation of the english school and its devotion to geometrical methods are the most marked features in its history during the latter half of the eighteenth century and the absence of any considerable and valuable contributions to the advancement of mathematical science was a natural consequence one result of this was that the energy of the englishmen of science was largely devoted to practical physics and practical astronomy which were in consequence studied in britain perhaps more than elsewhere Almost the only English mathematician at the beginning of this century who used analytical methods and whose work requires mention here is Ivory, to whom the celebrated theorem of attractions is due. James Ivory was born in Dundee in 1765 and died at Douglastown on September 21, 1845. 
After graduating at St. Andrews, he became the managing partner in a flax-spinning company in Forfarshire, but continued to devote most of his leisure to mathematics. In 1804, he was made professor at the Royal Military College at Marlow, which is now moved to Sandhurst. He contributed numerous papers to the philosophical transactions, the most remarkable being those on attractions. In one of these, in 1809, he shewed how the attraction of a homogeneous ellipsoid on an external point is a multiple of that of another ellipsoid on an internal point. The latter can be easily obtained. He criticized Laplace's solution of the method of least squares with unnecessary bitterness and in terms which proved his incompetence to understand it. The Cambridge Analytical School Toward the close of the last century, the more thoughtful members of the Cambridge School of Mathematics began to recognize that their isolation from the continental contemporaries was a serious evil. The earliest attempt in England to explain the notation and methods of the calculus as used on the continent was due to Woodhouse, who stands out as the apostle of the new movement. It is doubtful if he could have brought the analytical methods into vogue by himself, but his views were enthusiastically adopted by three undergraduates, Babbage, Peacock, and Herschel, who succeeded in carrying out reforms that he had suggested. In a book which will fall into the hands of few but English readers, I may be pardoned for making space for a few remarks on these four mathematicians. The original stimulus came from French sources, and I therefore place these remarks at the close of my account of the French school. But I should add that the English mathematicians of this century at once struck out a line independent of their French contemporaries. Woodhouse Robert Woodhouse was born at Norwich on April 28, 1773, was educated at Caius College, Cambridge, of which society he was subsequently a fellow was Plumian professor in the university, and continued to live at Cambridge till his death on December 23, 1827. His earliest work, entitled The Principles of Analytical Calculation, was published at Cambridge in 1803. In this he explained the differential notation and strongly pressed the employment of it, but he severely criticized the methods used by continental writers and their constant assumption of non-evident principles. This was followed in 1809 by a trigonometry, plain and spherical, and in 1810 by a historical treatise on the calculus of variations and isoparametrical problems. He next produced an astronomy, the first volume, usually bound in two, on practical and descriptive astronomy, being issued in 1812, the second volume containing an account of the treatment of physical astronomy by Laplace and other continental writers, being issued in 1818. All these works deal critically with the scientific foundation of the subjects considered, a point which is not unfrequently neglected in modern textbooks. A man like Woodhouse, of scrupulous honour, universally respected, a trained logician, and with a caustic wit, was well fitted to introduce a new system. And the fact that when he first called attention to the continental analysis, he exposed the unsoundness of some of the usual methods of establishing it, more like an opponent than a partisan, and was pol politic as it was honest. 
Woodhouse did not exercise much influence on the majority of his contemporaries, and the movement might have died away for the time being had it not been for the advocacy of Peacock, Herschel, and Babbage, who formed an analytical society with the object of advocating the general use in the university of analytical methods and of the differential notation. Peacock George Peacock, who was the most influential of the early members of the new school, was born at Denton on April ninth, 1791. He was educated at Trinity College, Cambridge, of which society he was subsequently a fellow and tutor. The establishment of the university observatory was mainly due to his efforts, and in 1836 he was appointed to the Laundian Professorship of Astronomy and Geometry. In 1839 he was made Dean of Ely, and resided there until his death on November 8, 1858. Although Peacock's influence on English mathematicians was considerable, he has left but few memorials to his work but I may note that his report on recent progress and analysis, 1833, commenced those valuable summaries of scientific progress which enrich many of the annual volumes of the transactions of the British Association. Babbage Another important member of the Analytical Society was Charles Babbage, who was born at Totnes in December 26, 1792, he entered Trinity College, Cambridge in 1810, subsequently became Lucasian professor in the university, and died in London on October 18, 1871. It was he who gave the name to the Analytical Society, which he stated was formed to advocate the principles of pure deism as opposed to the dotage of the university. In 1820, the Astronomical Society was founded mainly through his efforts, and at a later time, 1830 to 1832, he took a prominent part in the foundation of the British Association. He will be remembered for his mathematical memoirs on the calculus of functions, and in the invention of analytical machines, which could not only perform ordinary processes of arithmetic, but could tabulate the values of any functions and print the results. Herschel the third of those who helped bring analytical methods into general use in England was the son of Sir William Herschel, 1738 to 1822, the most illustrious astronomer of the latter half of the last century, and the creator, it may be fairly said, of stellar astronomy. Sir John Frederick William Herschel was born on March 7, 1792, and educated at St. John's College, Cambridge, and died on May 11, 1871. His earliest original work was a paper on Coates's theorem, and it was followed by others on mathematical analysis, but his desire to complete his father's work led ultimately to his taking up astronomy. His papers on light and astronomy contain a clear exposition of the principles which underlie the mathematical treatment of those subjects. In 1813, the Analytical Society published a volume of memoirs, of which the preface and the first paper on continued products are due to Babbage, and the three years later they issued a translation of Lacroix, Traité d'élémentaire du calcul différentiel et du calcul intégral. 
1817 and again in 1819 the differential notation was used in the university examinations and after 1820 its use was well established the analytical society followed up this rapid victory by the issue in 1820 of two volumes of examples illustrative of the new method one by peacock on the differential and integral calculus and the other by herschel on the calculus of finite differences since then english works on the infinitesimal calculus have ab have abandoned the exclusive use of the fluxional notation it should be noticed in passing that Lagrange and Laplace, like the majority of other modern writers, employ both the fluxional and the differential notation. It was the exclusive adoption of the former that was so hampering. Amongst those who materially assisted in extending the use of the new analysis were William Werewell, 1794-1866, and George Bedell Airy, 1801 to 1892 both fellows at trinity college cambridge the former issued in 1819 a work on mechanics and the latter who was a pupil of peacock published in 1826 in his tracts in which the new method was applied with great success to various physical problems the efforts of the society were supplemented by the rapid publication of good textbooks in which analysis was freely used the employment of analytical methods spread from Cambridge over the rest of Britain, and by 1830 those methods have come into general use there. End of section 32. Recording by Paul King, Mississauga, Ontario. HTTP pjk.scripts.mit.edu forward slash pkj.